This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. So everything at the moment is currently leading towards recession. Mm -hmm. So markets, we're most likely going to see a lot of volatility, uh, but a lot of volatility to uh, the downside potentially. Uh, and so what I would be doing in this scenario is basically just trying to hold on and save as much cash as you possibly can because that will give you a lot of security obviously even though obviously inflation is running really hot it's better to have cash sitting on you because it's obviously not going <laughs> to go down with markets and that sort of thing yeah. the other alternative is to hold on to gold as well um, and typically in recession environments there is defensive plays as well that you can um, that you can invest into which tend to do a lot better Hey guys, just before we head into the episode, if you have been enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using, whether you're using Spotify, Apple, YouTube, whatever it is that you're using, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, it really does help us out a lot. Um, it obviously means more people will be able to see and trust our content. It also means that you'll get that content every week and you know we really do appreciate all the support, all the shares, all the likes, all the comments all the messages that we get, um, it does help us and, and spurs us on to keep providing more value and, and deliver, you know, quality content to you guys. So a massive thank you. Guys, I just want to say a massive shout out to the sponsors of the Early Investors Podcast, SwiftX, Australia's most trusted crypto exchange. After using it for the, you know, nearly three months now, I can see why uh, the, the, the customer experience and the UX and the UI is so simple that you know, it's so easy to use, which I think is massive when you're looking to get started in your crypto journey and just even navigating, you know, quickly, because I know that's something that we're all trying to do when we're investing, being able to use it. Um, the customer support, second to none, I think that's the thing that stood out for me is, you know, I've been with other, you know, crypto exchanges in the past and the customer support just isn't there. And that's really difficult when you don't know what you're doing or you don't know, you know, um, how to navigate the app or how to do certain things. And that's really great. And they've got all the bells and whistles now. You know, um, staking is a big thing that I've used in the past that they have. And, and you know, I just think all in all, it's it's been the, the best experience I've had in, you know, using a crypto exchange. So that's why we decided to partner with them. We did have other offers on the table. So um, if you're interested in, you know, signing up for an account, use the affiliate link in our bio. It obviously helps us grow the podcast as well. So we really appreciate that. But we wouldn't partner with, you know, companies that we don't trust. So, um when you do sign up you through the affiliate link, you'll get $20 worth of free Bitcoin. So you get the party started, um, you know, and, and a great way to get your journey in crypto started. So, yeah, big shout out to those guys. And, and once again, thank you to you guys for all the support. Rados, welcome back. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy time in the world at the moment. And obviously our hearts go out to, you know, Everyone in Ukraine and Russia too, you know, who don't want to be a part of this, and I got, they're gonna they're gonna kind of gonna go through a lot of pain as well, and you know, it's a it's a very sad time in the world. Um, so you know, as I said, our hearts go out to to everybody there that's affected. Um, we're gonna do our best today to try to think about some of the financial ramifications. Um, we're not gonna talk too much about the politics and and the geopolitics, although it does come into it at, at parts. That's not really what we're here to do. There's people much better suited to talk about that than us. Um, we're just going to obviously talk about and try to offer, I guess, some value to our our listeners of like, okay, what are the what's the potentials here? 
mm. what, you know what what what's going on and and what could potentially happen to the economy um Just before we get started, guys, as well, I just want to remind you guys, if you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Um, smash the subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. I always do this at the end of the, the, the podcast and, and never at the start, so the, the team remind me. So make sure you smash the subscribe button. <laughs> you can tell you've been on a podcast before this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit rusty. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I, I, again, like... We, we've obviously had conversations about this as well, and, and someone actually reached out to me last night and said, man, um, that the, the Rao um, episode that we did, the crypto interview of the year, the part two series, the two-part series, sorry, um, and they mentioned how we kind of talked about a war and a recession and mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain to come and, and these kind of things, and, and she, sa- she says, like, and I just found it so interesting how you guys looked at the past, you looked at that interview and you kind of brought together the past and what it can start to help or what it can do to help create some frameworks for the future as well so i think that's what we're going to do today right like we're just going to talk about everything that's happening we're going to talk about the different factors that are involved and you know some of the key things that um you know give us some frameworks on how to think about the future because you know what we experienced back in 2020 during covid wasn't really a recession like it was but it was short-lived. It wasn't painful at all, you know, and, and I feel like we're probably going to feel the, the, you know, this is this is kind of like the defect, you know, mm-hmm. this is the kind of the downline defect that we're going to feel over the next quarter, two quarters, however long, you know, it is. Um, we're not sure. But I, I guess, you know, where we start is, you know, obviously the situation in Russia and Ukraine and, and obviously everything that's happening there. Um, obviously there's Russia are, have invaded Ukraine and, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of speculation around why. Um, yeah. We'll obviously try to, I guess, paint some picture a little bit, of, you know, about it, but we're not going to go into detail. But, you know, there's there's sanctions involved now and and they're, they're getting harsher and harsher yeah, by the day. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of repercussions for Russia and all of its citizens, unfortunately. So what, what are some of those sanctions that they're, they're... So the biggest one is obviously them being taken off the SWIFT... Uh, payment settlement network, which basically allows uh, the Russian banks to exchange um, dollars and other forms of currency uh, for trade. Uh, So Russia being the biggest uh, exporter of wheat in the world and also the third largest supplier of oil as well. So, I mean, if we thought that there was going to be a lot of supply restraints because of COVID, we're going to start to see them ramp back up Mm. around the world. And I mean, you can obviously see that the uh, price of petrol is a lot higher uh, and we're going to start to see prices of food probably increase as well. Uh, maybe not so much here in Australia and the US, but certainly around uh, a lot of parts of um, around Europe for sure. And Africa. Africa as well, yeah. Which Even Asia um, to some extent too. A lot of the emerging the emerging markets. Yeah, definitely. So I think that maybe... Let, uh, I, I look at this in maybe three to four kind of... Um, well, there's for three to four things that I want to cover today, main sections. And the, and the first one is inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, there's two types of inflation or two things that bring inflation on. There's monetary supply um, and then there's obviously supply and, and supply-led inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you talked about some of those things, you know, like 
wheat. You know, I'm pretty sure Ukraine and Russia are responsible for 25 to 25 to 30 percent of the world of supply the of wheat. Of yeah, supply of wheat. Exactly. And wheat's one of those uh, commodities that you can't store for a long period of time as well. So you can only store them for I think it's five weeks. So the world's reserve of wheat is only five weeks long, mm. and there's not going to be a growing season in the Ukraine. So, um, yeah, we're going to see a, a massive supply shortage uh, of wheat around the world and then obviously oil as well. Uh, and Russia being the third largest, uh, they supply a lot of their oil to uh, China and then also to the rest of the world, but mostly in Europe. Uh, and then they're also one of the biggest supplies of uh, natural gas as well. And so we're going to start to see, especially around Europe again, uh, the price of, um, of gas, so... Uh, heating and that sort of thing just going through the roof mm. uh, and so yeah this is going to have a f- uh, effect obviously on inflation again and we're already in an inflationary environment you had covid which uh, the government overreacted to uh, all central banks around the world they just printed a lot of money and they handed out all the stimulus uh, checks to everybody uh, because they were forced to stay at home and so with that you had a lot of uh, the the manufacturing industry just basically shut up shop because they're all locked down. Mm. And then when uh, that sort of thing happens, it takes a long time for these sort of things to ramp back up again. And so we're seeing shipping costs just go through the roof and that's why a lot of goods are a lot more expensive now. And so because of those inflationary pressures, we're seeing everything get more and more expensive. Uh, and now this is just expa- uh, exacerbated even further as well. Yeah, and, and um, you know... We're coming off the back of monetary inflation as well, you know, like, yeah. like more yeah. money than ever being put into the system. 40% of the US dollars were put into supply because of COVID. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. You it's know, hard to wrap your head around that, that sort of figure. Yeah, 100%. It's ridiculous. And then, you know, obviously you talked about supply and, and now it's only, it's only going to get worse mm-hmm. from here. You know what I mean? So I think, and, and you know, like I, I got an interesting point here that I've, I've done a lot of study, so... I've done my research, <laughs> um, but it was interesting because I was listening to like Chamath and and yep. a few of those guys talk about it, and they're like, "Well, let's just go to solar," uh, and and like Elon Musk is coming out tweeting saying that we need to start ramping up uh, production of uh, yeah energy, uh, nuclear, and even coal, which is obviously goes against his mandate, but he knows that uh, what the repercussions are going to be of these supply shortages. Yeah, and and so one of the things that were mentioned that they these guys didn't think about but I listened to another um another brain in this space and he was talking about the fact that copper is actually the most in demand or the biggest piece of infrastructure um as it relates to the world you know right. and and the reason that we can't accelerate towards EVs uh or you know um not just EVs but renewable energy is because of the fact that we don't have enough copper to do it as quickly as we can mm-hmm. um which I thought was really interesting which means that you know if you know there's not an easy answer to this kind of this whole conundrum around yeah. the fact that you know obviously we're we're looking at wheat and food and what that does to Europe but what it also does to places like Africa mm-hmm. um you're then looking at you know obviously the things that you mentioned gas oil and so all commodities are going up uh, across the board and that is purely because of these supply shortages yeah and um I guess I want to talk about and touch on like why that's a problem, right? Like, so obviously, you know, we, we have CPI and we have that as a metric, but then we also have um, 
and then you know we're going to add you know these shortages on top of what we're currently looking at and and obviously that eats into people's money you know like yeah. i think when you think about the everyday person who has a fixed wage and you know the fact that you know um it, wheat's fucking like f- you know food is going to get more expensive um petrol energy is going to get more expensive you know this is money coming out of these these you know out of the wallets of the everyday person yeah. you know as you said it's going to be different in different areas of course but you know if we're thinking about some of the areas that are most affected you know it's already tough yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah. like we're already in a high inflationary period it's and it's only going to get worse from here we're not going to feel the effects of what's going on right now until april mm-hmm. you know may so Unfortunately, the thing when it comes to inflation is it's a self-fulfilling sort of cycle. So you have all of these supply shortages which boost the costs of these commodities, or so the prices of these commodities. And so because the cost of these commodities goes up, those costs get passed on from the uh, the businesses down onto the consumer, us. Mm. So obviously it's more expensive to go and get petrol and all those sort of things. But in doing so, um, less and less people are demanding of those goods and services and so less people are out there spending their money uh, because they're, they're simply just not able to afford it their wages aren't increasing so then they demand more uh, wages and so the cost of the business continually goes up so they're having costs from two sides now they're coming having costs of labor and they're having costs of actually purchasing these goods uh, and then that just gets passed on to the consumer again and then as I said it's a self-fulfilling circle and inflation will go through the moon. And so the reason why that is such a problem is because it, as we mentioned in the, uh, the RAL um, investor uh, podcast, it just reduces our purchasing power. And so when you have uh, diminishing purchasing power, the best thing you can do in those scenarios is to save. And when you have people who save rather than spend, that slows down the economy. Mm. And so once you have... Um, a uh, situation like that, that tends to be what is referred to as stagflation, where you have consumer prices going higher and you have a slowing economy as well. And mm. these are not good things. This is what uh, has been happening in Japan now for the past, uh, what is it, well, since the 80s. So, And they just announced years. yield curve control, didn't they? They did. Yeah, yield curve control. And they've been doing it for a long time. Australia does it, or they did it during um, COVID. Uh, next, we will most likely see it happening in the US as well. Mm. And so, one of the so we also like one of the the big things at the moment which we're seeing, which is you know, obviously the great resignation and people leaving their jobs. That kind of ties back into what you were talking about before, where you know, the costs of the company due to the inflation obviously drives the what you know drives wages up purely from a kind of cause and effect mm-hmm. you know perspective yep. you know what i mean so like obviously um it does have a you know like and then that's something that you know i started to learn when when researching for this as well is that it does have that kind of cause and effect type of relationship where yeah. you know comp- well the cost of goods become more expensive and so employees obviously well they're seeing that uh the company's profits are starting to to get bigger and bigger and so they want a piece of that pie as well and because they're now unable to afford just your simple um, services uh, Mm. such as food and and petrol and these sort of things they're demanding higher and higher wages and yeah as i as i said that is just a self-fulfilling spiral 
which just leads to uh, hyperinflation, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that's the, 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 the you know, like obviously the, the wage squeeze is obviously off the back of that, but it also, like you said, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and then that kind of brings us to interest rates, which is obviously a really, you know, something that's really, really interesting at the moment because, mm-hmm. you know, the Fed's come out and said that they're pricing in, you know, what is it, six or seven rate hikes um, over the next... It was nine. It was it, nine. I think it got to... The, at the highest point, it got to nine. I think it's now reined back into, I think it's about six or seven uh, rate hikes mm. uh, because uh, the role of the central bank is to... Uh, take a handle on inflation and unemployment. So currently we have, around the world, we have really strong labour markets, so unemployment is falling. But now, obviously, we're seeing around the world we've got inflation problems, and so that's their number one mission at the moment is to try and combat inflation. But it's happening at a really interesting time when you've got uh, the global economy starting to slow down. You've got all of these supply chain issues. You've now got war broke out uh, in Europe, and so... With these external factors, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to start increasing rates because typically in uh, increasing interest rates is looking within the economy and trying to fix the problems within the economy. But because this is an external factor, uh, it's very unknown and uh, we're, we're basically just going to see a long period of volatility now. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we want to dive into that a bit, right? So, so the, the reason that... We're already in a high inflation environment and, you know, you know, it's it's not necessarily just driven by monetary. You know, it's not just driven by... That That was the start of so it. So it's, it's also it, fiscal yeah. as well. So that's the QE that's been happening around the world. So yeah. when you've got such loose uh, monetary uh, situation like that, uh, you're just having more and more money uh, injected into the market. And a lot of that money is put into bonds. And so this is where yield curve... Con- uh, sorry, yield curve control comes into it. Uh, where the government can't afford for there not to be any buyers of their treasury debt. And so, um, and now we're seeing, obviously, with Russia and uh, China, they're not holding on to those reserves anymore because no. they're, they're losing faith in the dollar and they want to be out of the, the dollar standard. Mm. And so with that, because there's less demand for uh, those uh, the government debt, essentially, uh, where else are they going to get buyers from? And so... The only person who's going to come in and buy them is the Fed. And so this is called yield curve control. Uh, Australia has been doing it, as I said. Japan's been doing it for decades now. Uh, the uh, Eurozone has uh, started implementing it too, and the Fed will be the last one. Um, and so that will help to prop up this market. And this is where, uh, or this is why a lot of um, people on Twitter is, are starting to say that we've reached a point where it's forever money. It's forever QE. They're just going to continually print money, continually debase the currency. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so like some of the situations, the situation we're in, right, is kind of like, you know, like the 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 Fed can't raise interest rates enough to actually put a dent in inflation. No, because if they if they raise interest rates to the point where we've seen a zero point two five increase yeah. in the fucking market. Sh- you know, it was 10% or something. Yeah, I mean, they've just been talking about raising interest rates and we've seen the whole NASDAQ market just basically collapse on itself. Yeah. And the S&P is within correction territory now, which is considered 10%. So, I mean, we haven't even raised rates and we're already seeing markets sell off. And typically when markets sell off, 
uh, you have higher rates of unemployment. So this is where it becomes really tricky for central banks around the world is they're trying to get uh, rein in this inflation narrative, but by doing so, it causes the economy to slow down and you see stocks and um, whatnot and bonds also selling off. What that does, it um, increases unemployment rate and then you've got this hurdle of which one do we actually need to worry about more, unemployment or um, inflation. Uh, right now, obviously, they're trying to tackle inflation because it's the headlines everywhere. We're going to have a, a CPI print in the US which will probably read 8% inflation. Uh, and so that's just mind-blogging. Like, mm. everything's just gone up that much. And it's not, it, it's not going to get better. No, that's it's going to continue to get worse it because of all of these issues <laughs> around uh, the world. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of like the, the, the theory then, right? Is like they can't raise rates because inflation's going to run. You know, the, the but they, w- they will. They're so we've got a FOMC meeting this week and they will raise um, the interest rate and they're going to try and raise it up to about 2%. Mm. At first, they'll do it slowly and then it'll all happen at once. But 2% is just about as high as they'll be able to get it uh, without bankrupting the US. Mm. Because you have to remember, they've got about a, a trillion dollars worth of interest payments every single year. If they raise rates from currently 0.25 up until 2%, that's what, that's a, uh, what's that? It's about a 400, 500% increase on the interest that the US will have to pay on their own debt to service. Mm. And then that doesn't even apply to uh, corporate debt and to retail debt, so uh, the mortgage market and all these sort of things. And so you can only imagine, as soon as that happens, liquidity in the market's just going to dry up. And as soon as that happens... They're going to have to print more money and they're going to have to r- uh, lower interest rates to the point where it's down to 0% again. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I mean, right? It kind of brings us back to like the pandemic or the start of the pandemic. It's kind of like... Oh, this comes back to the video that we did on Rao. Like this goes back way back to... Yeah, but it's kind of like the most II. recent situation like yeah. that you can yeah. think of is like, you know, we'll, like they'll raise rates, but, you know, how long for? Like how long is it going to last? Because I just don't... You know, and that's the reality is like... A lot of it's already priced in. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that's the thing. That, that's why the markets have been fucking horrific yeah. since October. You know, like it's just been trending sideways and so volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the last time they uh, went on a rate uh, increase was back in 2018. They got rates up to 2.75 percent, and the whole um, credit market started to um, crater, and stock market started to collapse as well. Uh, before that was the GFC. They ro- uh, they ro- uh, raised rates up to, I think it was 5.5%. Uh, mm. And then you had um, the housing market just collapse on itself. And so who knows what's going to happen this time around with housing market at all-time highs. You've got equities at all-time highs. Uh, you've got commodities now at all-time highs. You've got inflation everywhere. Like, yeah, it's a mess. And I think, mess. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like the dynamic that we're trying to put across here is like understanding that, like especially with inf- in an inflationary time, like they they can't they can't fix inflation right now. Not with the sanctions that have been put on Russia. It's impossible to because the supply shortages are only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. So. The fact that inflation is going to run and it's going to run anyway means that it makes it really difficult for them. The counter, the counter to that, though, is that because we've got all of these commodities going up, uh, people are, there's less demand for... Well, 
people are probably filling up less at the petrol station. So people are probably trying to hold on to or start saving again, I suppose. And so because of that, because there's no spending out in the economy, um, that will help to reduce inflation. So that is working in their favour. Um, and, I mean, everyone's heard it. They're going to try and inflate the debt away, and that's the only realistic op- um, option that they have. Yeah, but you know, it, it, it it's not going to be enough, though. Like what no, they're doing, yeah. it's not going to be no. enough to combat that. No, you know, like that's so, right. so inflation might. It's what they're going to have a reading of eight percent. It might go up to ten percent or something like that. Um, and so, even if they um, able to increase interest rates to two percent, you're still going to be um, earning a, a negative yield. Um, on nominal terms. Yeah. So. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and I guess that kind of sums up, like, the just the overall position. And, and you know, like, I guess this is where some of that game theory comes in of, like, you know, the next thing we're going to talk about is reserve currencies. So, you know, let's just cover the first two things and do, like, a little bit of an overview before we go into that because I think the reserve currency thing is more of, like, a we start to talk about some of the strategy behind maybe what's going on right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, some of that stuff. But, you know, you've got inflation that was already running really hot because of supply shortages and more, you know, more money than we've ever seen enter the system. Mm-hmm. We're now seeing sanctions on Russia, which are just going to cause more supply shortages, which means inflation is going to run even hotter. Mm-hmm. Inflation basically means buying power. You know, the money you have now buys you less tomorrow. Yep. Um, and that's because the prices of the assets and the goods that you buy go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, we've obviously got interest rates and the dynamic of the Fed trying to obviously fix the problems that occur, uh, are occurring right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying they're going to raise interest rates and they probably will a little bit. But in reality, if they, you know, if they were to do the nine interest rate hikes or, you know, they, they you know, the, 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 to the level that they claim they're going to, the, the economy would would basically fall apart. It's going to crater, yeah. It would crater. It would fall apart, and they can't afford to do that because you've got pensions and everything relying on that. So the reality is is that the situation you find yourself in now is like they'll do it because they have to say they're going to do it, mm-hmm. and you know they probably have to try to mitigate some of the things that are going to happen, but eventually you're probably going to have to drop the interest rate to zero to get the money yeah, printed well, going. They will as soon as we... Um so everything at the moment is currently leading towards recession. And so typically what happens in recession is your unemployment will go up uh, and so then they'll have, to, uh, well, they'll have to start doing yield curve control again because a lot of those bonds will start to sell off um, and they'll also probably have to start doing UBI, so universal basic income, because a lot of people will need to afford to to live and 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 these sort of things. That's kind of what I was talking about when you talk about going pre-pandemic or like not pre, but when the pandemic hit, that's kind of what we did. If everyone can remember, the the government was putting money in your account, which... Well, they already do it for um, like with the family tax benefits and all those. Mm. That is a form of UBI here in Australia. Um, And there's similar um, things that are now being set up over in the US as well. Mm. Uh, I think that they've got them uh, over in Europe too, so... Yeah, we're going to start seeing more and more of this. Yeah, and I was I was listening to something the other day, and they were kind of talking about every time it was it was a cool stat. Every time the price of energy has spiked fifty percent, mm-hmm. US has gone into a recession. Yeah, every single time, yeah. and they, it's obviously to do with the speed of increase. Yeah, um, you know it's rapid. You know yeah. we were at negative energy prices. What mm. was it? 
a year or two ago. Yeah, well, it's when we were all locked down. <laughs> there was no demand for energy, and so energy just, well, oil specifically, just went to, yeah, I think it was like $30 a barrel or something like that, and we're currently sitting at... 140 Yeah, 140 <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Crazy. Mm. And so... And on top of that, we haven't had wages increase uh, anywhere near that amount. And yeah, so exactly. That's where the the um, they are lies. increasing though, and that's because yeah. of the squeeze that comes from the side effect of all of these things we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of I guess why you see what it takes to keep an employee at the moment is, is super high. Yeah. Because it's a it's why it, businesses are struggling to find employees and all that sort of thing the because they're demanding more income. Yeah. But where's that? Where's the additional money come? coming from for those businesses not the know? economy no it's not coming from the economy because everyone's saving money as opposed to going out and spending it because during uncertain times people like to hold on to dollars and so we're seeing it in the u.s now as well the u.s dollar has been um ranging so much higher it's up 30 percent or something mm. against some currencies and so this then leads to another crisis where uh, a lot of emerging economies that rely on their for uh, their u.s dollar reserves are suddenly, are suddenly becoming um, uncompetitive. Mm. And so we're going to start to see a lot of recessions around the world in emerging uh, markets as well. And this, this kind of comes back... To, we, we've talked about this before, you know. We, we, we really did talk about this in relation to... I think it made it might have been the Rao interview. Yeah, you know, we talked about currencies and, yep. and how, obviously, the fact that the US is the reserve global currency, uh, global currency gives them the power to sanction and it gives them a lot of this power... And obviously, they, you know, they, they, the amount of debt that they're going into, obviously, it, it, it causes problems for a lot of other countries. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, because it is the global reserve currency, it, it kind of... But not only that, because it also doesn't help the US, because as soon as the US dollar is strengthened, uh, it makes exporting a lot harder for them as well. Yeah, exactly. And so here in Australia, we saw the same issue back in 2012 when um, iron ore was over $100. Nobody wants to buy it. Yeah, and it made it really hard for us to um, to export goods because the US, uh, sorry, the Australian dollar was so high and now we're starting to see the same thing happen to the US. And it's because other countries are getting poorer at that same time so they don't want to necessarily buy the exports that the US are offering. That's right, exactly. Mm. So let's talk reserve currency then. So you know, I'm just going to read some notes that I've got here, but it's it's kind of like pockets of power, right? Mm-hmm. So the US has been the global reserve currency for a really long time, and in World War One, the British was the reserve currency, yep. right? And yep. and you know um, the reason they lost, like that, you know, and and this is I guess the thing that like back in the day is you kind of think about what what creates a shift in power in the universe and you know previously it was gold right it's like you needed to have you know got a lot of gold reserves and that allowed you to have less um the world to create enough trust in your currency being the global reserve currency previously it was the the british in world war one they lost a lot of their reserves in world war two they lost lost and the reason why they lost all their reserves is because they had to fund the war effort yeah exactly yeah so yet they had to fund the war effort uh, and, you know, same thing with World War Two. you know, yeah. basically lost it all. The US basically gained it all from yep. the uh, funding of the countries that needed to go to war. Mm-hmm. And then that obviously led to the, U- the you know, the, the start of the US power. Mm-hmm. You fast forward to today and you almost find the US in a very similar position to what the British were, 
you know, in that period of That's time. That's right. And the thing that is uh, currently um, underpegging the US dollar as a reserve currency is the pe- uh, petrodollar system. And now we've just seen that the Russia has been ultimately sanctioned and taken off that standard. And so now their, um, their unit of exchange uh, for oil, uh, particularly with China, is um, it's typically in euros or it's even in ruble, which probably not anymore considering that has just created, what, 50% or something like that. Uh, so another means of exchange could be gold. And so we're now seeing gold also rise uh, in value as well. Mm. And so now, um, and even the US, they've recently conceded that um, there's going to be multiple reserve currencies in the world as opposed to just the US dollar. So we're going to start to see a lot more reserves um, in other currencies as opposed to the US dollar, which is a concern for the US because that's their biggest export is dollars. Mm. And that also provides them with a lot of control as well. Mm. Yeah, and I guess this kind of I guess this brings us down to the game theory of all of this, right? And and there's many different you know speculations and you know many different opinions and and of Putin and why all this is happening and getting into the geopolitics. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to, but I think it's important to 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 kind of give people an idea as to potentially why we're why this is happening. You know, like, and in reality. This is how the world works. It's power dynamics. You know, like Russia don't like being in the shadow of the US. No. The, you know, the, the, the fact that the US can do what they do just by printing ridiculous amounts of money, mm-hmm. putting sanctions on, and the fact that they have no gold reserves mm-hmm. backing that anymore, mm-hmm. you know, I think that causes power dynamics. And, you know, also, you know, we're not dealing with 30 year olds. No. Yeah. <laughs> we're dealing with, you know, People that are ninety, you know, like they, they, these guys are old. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've come from, you know, um, a time where war was just a that was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we we haven't experienced it, you know, in our lifetime. You know, like not not to no what they have. No conscription. Nah. Yeah. And and you know, you can tell Putin's like a nineteenth century man, but I think it's important to talk about some of the game theory around it and potentially, you know, I, there's three kind of things that I think are driving all of this and I'm not saying one over the other or anything like that but I think it's narrative you know in terms of I feel like Putin's a proud man and and there's narrative to it like he doesn't you know like because I talked about it before but it's like keeping the country safe you know that real kind of nationship type of vibe around it and and the narrative of obviously the 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 Russia's past and there's a lot going on there mm-hmm. There's obviously the power dynamics of the global reserve currency. Um, and, you know, I think as well, one of the, the, the big things is obviously um, literally keeping the country safe. You know, like we talked about it before and, and kind of I was listening to a guy, uh, I forgot what his name is, a scientist at the University of Chicago. I think his name's Mayheimer, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. But he kind of talked about... In 2008, um, you know, the leaders of NATO come out and said that they were going to welcome Georgia and Ukraine into NATO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Putin said that would be a direct um, threat mm-hmm. towards us. Uh, and you can kind of look at some of the things over time, you know, like accumulating a ton of gold, yep. holding little dollars, yep. US dollars. Selling devel- off their reserves. Selling yeah. off their reserves, 
developing digital systems, their own kind of railways of payment. Yep. Um, well, they, they realised as soon as they went in and invaded Crimea that as soon as that happened uh, and there was threat of sanctions, that they had to do something about that because they've got this, this theory that Putin has this big grand plan of basically reforming the Soviet Union. And so with that, uh, they have prepared themselves to the point where uh, they have dwindled their, their US reserves, uh, they've built up their stockpile of gold, and they've started to also now trade with a lot of their partners in different currencies outside of um, outside of the US dollar, mm. and also even the euros to some extent as well. And mm. so with that, uh, it gives them a little bit of a cushion in regards to being able to take these sort of um, these certain actions that they're trying to do. Um, but in saying that, I don't think that they quite realise that these sanctions were going to come in as swiftly as what they did and, come and, hard. and really hard as well. And you can see that in that uh, a lot of their reserves, uh, which they do currently hold, they're all offshore and they've now been frozen. So they had a $600 billion uh, reserve pile which has been frozen outside of the country. Mm. And so they can't now touch uh, that money at all. They've been... Um, a lot of the Western world has been going after all of the oligarchs as well. And so all of Putin's inner circle have all been affected by this. And so they're sort of trying to um, basically dismantle his power that he's got within his own government. And we can see all the propaganda that they were, um, that they were doing within their own um, country as to why this Ukrainian war has now broken out. There was a lot of talks about um, Nazi, Nazism, uh, and a lot of fascism and that sort of thing uh, within the Ukraine. And so, I mean, it's just it's such, a, such a mess, honestly. It really yeah. is. I mean, it's really sad. Uh, it's really sad that this is where the world's gotten to. But I think if you go back and watch the, r- the interviews that we did, you know, back then... Yeah, like, it, it's it inevitable. points to why this is all happening. Yeah. Absolutely. Literally. Because, they've, like you said, they've, uh, they've lost a lot of their power. They've lost a lot of their... Um, I guess they've superpowered. They've lost all that. Yeah. And so they're wanting to try and reclaim all that now while they can. And the only way you can claim that is by getting off the US dollar. It's literally the only way. And that's why understanding that the only thing, the financial system and how all the countries integrate is basically the thing that controls the power dynamic of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's something that's interesting. Like in 2008, when the US expanded their balance sheet, you know, Russia and China come out and started to call for a, you know, a new global reserve yeah. currency. Yeah. Over that time, you look at the moves they've made. You know, you look like you know Russia accumulating gold and doing all that. Mm-hmm. China going, you know, property and 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 you know, again, kind of getting off, the, trying to get off the US dollar. The gold road in- initiative. Yeah, like you know, you can just kind of see that there is a pa- a power dynamic here going on, and um, there's a few things here like. You know, total payments around the world of USD dropped below 60% for the first time mm-hmm. a few months ago, which was really interesting. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's another argument to this, which I think it's important to kind of talk about. It's, it's, and, and, like, uh, this is kind of what this guy from the, the University of Chicago was saying. He's saying, like, you know, basically if you control Ukraine, you can cripple the Russia at any time. And if you can have troops there... You know, and, and I kind of I kind of did think that this was like a good point. It's like, and he mentioned that, imagine China became allies with Canada, mm-hmm. you know, and and they joined forces. 
that's the that's a very similar kind of position as the US becoming allies with Ukraine and bringing them into NATO. You know, because what it means is is that you know um, the US can then put troops in there, mm-hmm. and if the US can put troops in there, they've then got a dir- a direct way into Russia. So there is a part there, and and Putin did put this out in two thousand and eight. Doesn't mean that his actions are warranted. You know, he's a dictator. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. Like it's, it's literally what he is. So. But I just think, like, you look back at some of the, the history here and, and it kind of does come back to this whole expanding the balance sheet, looking back at all the events since the, you know, the 60s mm. and just going, this is always going to happen. And his timing might be really critical here in that the US is in a vulnerable state. Super vulnerable position. Exactly. They're they were tr- just about to raise rates. They're trying to unwind the balance sheet. Uh, there's less... Uh, less demand for the US dollar and their um, their treasury's debt as well. And so, yeah, I think, I, I definitely think that that plays into the, the timing. timing. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. And I just, yeah, I think it's like, but the biggest thing that we talk about now is like, how do you navigate this? Like what's, the, you know, from, from for us, what's the, you know, we just went through and kind of put a lot of the things that we need to talk about on the plate and said that you know, these are kind of some of the scenarios. Obviously, we could be we're heading for a recession. Inflation's running hot. Um, everything we just mentioned, but like, what now? What does this mean? What does the next th- you know next two quarters look like? The next six to to twelve months look mm-hmm. like from a markets perspective. Mm-hmm. So markets, we're most likely going to see a lot of volatility, uh, but a lot of volatility to uh, the downside potentially. Uh, And so what I would be doing in this scenario is basically just trying to hold on and save as much cash as you possibly can Um, because that will give you a lot of security, obviously. Um, Even though, obviously, inflation is running really hot, it's better to have cash sitting on you um, because it's obviously not going (laughs) to go down with markets and that sort of thing. Yeah. The other alternative is to hold on to gold as well. and typically in recession environments, there is defensive plays as well that you can um, that you can invest into, which tend to do a lot better, or they tend to hold a lot more of their value compared to, say, growth, like as in tech and, and all these other things. Uh, so a lot of those would be utilities companies, so um, energy, obviously, with oil and mm. natural gases and those sort of things going higher. Um, could also be consumer staples, so groceries, mm. um, also, healthcare, because people are always going to spend on healthcare. These are uh, generally good places to have your money. Um, but if you already do have money invested in growth and all that sort of thing, you just basically have to ask yourself, is it worth um, selling out now? You could potentially have a taxable event. Uh, otherwise, it's better to just hold on uh, and wait, because typically at the end of this, uh, we're going to see massive QE. Uh, we're going to see interest rates go to zero again, and we're going to see a massive rally. And that's kind of like, again, drawing back to the most recent, you know, pandemic and the start of that and what you've seen there with, like, money coming into the system, house prices going bananas, Mm -hmm. stocks going bananas, crypto going bananas. But until then, get, (laughs) get ready to experience a lot of volatility. So, like... Even if you're holding crypto, it's probably best to, like the easy solution there is just to hold and potentially earn a yield on that money. Um, 
Otherwise, if you're a little bit more advanced, you could uh, trade these times because mm. there's a lot of volatility. So mm-hmm. if you've got any skill with TA, technical analysis, really good time to be making money. Um, otherwise, again, like I said, just hold cash, wait for there to be a bottom or just dollar cost your average your way in, you're going to get lower and lower prices. That's if you, um, you're you able to um, yeah yeah save during these times as well. Yeah, I just think like the main thing is obviously this isn't financial advice, no. but you, you know we're going to experience a lot of pain in mm-hmm. the next two quarters. Even with real estate, so typically if we go into recession, there could potentially be a lot of um, volatility in real estate with mm-hmm. rates rising as well. So your your mortgage repayments are going to be higher. There's going to be less demand for for housing as well. So we could see prices of housing start to decrease. Uh, so you could argue that housing is not the best place uh, either. So yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of places, unfortunately. The best time would have been to put in all your money into oil <laughs> <laughs> about a month ago. Yeah, but uh, I think about yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of like the the goal. What the goal was of this was like to uh, to give you an understanding of what's going on in the economy. With all there's so much going on. Like mm. you know, the, there was so much going on before Russia invaded Ukraine, and now that's happened. It's like you don't know. We just don't know that's what's right. going to happen. Exactly. You know, we don't know what. The, their thinking we we you know that's one thing i want to say we're not trying to predict and say russia's going to do this they're going to do this blah blah blah, blah. they, they could they could sign an agreement tomorrow and then we'll see stocks rally russia could you also know. invade fucking six other countries well, tomorrow that, that's right and we would <laughs> you know the, the whole oh, thing would crumble God. right and it's like it's crazy i hope that doesn't happen it's very sad but i just think it's important for the everyday person to actually start to understand what the current state of the economy is mm. and what some of the potentials are. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Nobody does. But to understand it is to mean that you can have some type of control over what you do and the decisions you make. That's right. Which I think is really important. So exactly. Which is why at the moment, best place to probably have your money is in cash because at least then you can be nimble and you can make quick decisions as soon as things, I don't know, there is something starts to turn around potentially or, I mean... Uh, if things start to keep cratering uh, and we enter bear market territory and all these sort of things, it's never a bad thing to hold on to some cash because then you can invest it um, 100%. once we reach a bottom potentially. So, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, big episode, a lot to cover. Um, you know, uh, as I said, I just think it's critical that we, <laughs> you know, people understand what's going on because, I, you know, even me, I'm just been researching. I did about 10 hours of research just mm. to start to understand it myself. And as soon as you start to understand it, you go, wow, like... You can wrap your head around and you can make some sensible decisions. Especially um, if you've already got investments, you yeah. know, like starting yeah. to understand what's, you know... I'm sure you've been hit up all the time by what you should do with your portfolio and all that sort of thing at the moment. And yeah, The I mean, answer is I don't know. Yeah, well, that's right. Like, you know, yeah. I know what I can do because I know my position. Mm. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Know your position and know what you can do. Yeah. The decision's yours. It's not anyone else's to make. But and if you're stressed about all the volatility and your, your, perfor- uh, sorry, your portfolio going down, you might have too much exposed, mm. you know, and so then that's why it might be best to have uh, more cash sitting in your account because then you're, not, or you're allowed to sleep at night not having to stress about what's happening with your, um, your savings. So 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess just one last thing is like f- uh, for crypto, crypto is not exempt to no. this as people no. might think, right? Like crypto is not this big almighty power. I think we've seen now with Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a, still a victim to 
the tsunami that is the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been all these narratives about Bitcoin. It's an inflation hedge. It's a decentralized currency, so it can't be manipulated, all these sort of things. But currently, it's still a risk on asset. It's um, paired in there with tech stocks. Uh, tech stocks and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I it mean, still has those characteristics. It just doesn't have the trust It hasn't got the narrative. Out. Yeah, the, it, the it narrative. It hasn't got the narrative just yet. And so once the narrative starts to... S- like, you and I know the narrative, but once it starts to flip in a lot of other people's minds, then we'll, we'll start to see the prices where we think it's going to go. But for right now, it's currently mixed in with other growth um, assets. And so that's why it's currently selling off. But, I mean... Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> that's the <laughs> it reality. It could decouple too. Yeah, it could decouple. And that's the thing. I think the reality is is nobody knows, right? And that's why everybody's got to understand their own position and their own situation and be able to make their own decisions. Yeah. Simple as that. Like there's, yeah. you know, people can say that they do this, do that, or, tr- you know, if, mate, anything, if, as we said, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, guys. Big thanks for tuning in. Big thanks to the big Braidos coming down and sharing his wisdom. Um, Mardo, big thanks for putting this together. And, and as always, to the, to, to the listeners out there, big thanks to you guys. Thanks for the support. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks for you know, tuning in every week. It's been great. Really hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. We'll see you next week.